This, this podcast is a giant belly flop of gaming knowledge into the pool of life. For 15 years now, you have been asking yourself, who is Jeb Wrench? Put him up, show me what you got. I want to see how you rock, if you're great or not. Want to take my spot, better train to box. I put the game on lock and my reign won't stop. Is not a much likes entitled to the sweat of her own brows. Parasites! Parasites! And he probably is an angry Muppet living in a trash can. It's Talon Lee. Wait, why do you get the angry Muppet living in the trash can? Because if one of us is going to be a Muppet, he's Oscar the Grouch and I'm Cookie Monster. <laughs> me. I'm Snuffleupagus. You don't act, I'm not actually here. I'm only here because this big bird is tripping balls. The Muppets are important. Alright. So, hey Fox, what have you been playing this week? I've been playing NaNoReno games. Finally! Yeah. <laughs> it's only taken me, what is it, August? Five months. Many months! <laughs> Um, I've not gone through a lot of them yet. I've played about four. I, I plan to play everything on the list except the ones that are paid games because yeah, I gotta draw the line somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, I I was actually I was having a look at the number of games that got completed or at least in a demoable state for nanos, and there's like twice as many this year as for any previous year. Hey. And a total of like sixty something, I think. It's amazing. Holy crap! Anyway, yeah. So I, I am all over itch.io, just downloading the shit and playing as many of them as I can. Um, so far, I have played Sunrise and The Blind Griffin, uh, Ishara, and Boy. You said Sunrise. My blood pressure shot up. For <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, not that. Not that. It's, it's a different part of the sun cycle. <laughs> I, I will say I know of this. I know of these games, of the Blind Griffin, which is the one where you're playing a flat-chested, half-Asian tomboy girl running a 1920s speakeasy full of magicians? Yes! <laughs> well, she's not so much running it. She gets recruited to be their new bartender at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Uh, no, we're going to have a link for this in the description, Chinese. right? We're, we're definitely going to have a link to the Blind Griffin. <laughs> yeah, um, it is an excellent game. It was unfortunately not as queer as I was hoping. Uh, the female characters aren't romance options. Boo. But it's still excellently done. Um, it looks gorgeous. It is stylish as fuck. Um, and it, it's got 1920s magicians serving illicit booze. <laughs> it's, it's just reminds great. Me of the, oh. Reminds me of the disappointing turn in the... The, uh, the 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 dating sim that I got to that I got to demo for work. Yeah. That uh, you meet a really cool non canonically non-binary character and oh, yeah. then you can't date them. Ah! You can't date them because they're not a Satan. This was the really big disappointment <laughs> of the Blind Griffin for me. Um, there is an excellent character who is like a you know the the short, plump, vivacious, awesome black girl uh, bar singer who is just rad mm. as fuck, and she's not romanceable. And I was so disappointed at this. She's really cool. I also understand it has a trans character who isn't treated badly. Yes, the owner of the bar is a trans character. Comes up for about three seconds, um, where the character almost says. You know, almost says the bad thing that you don't say, and it's immediately cleared up and just never comes up again. Nice. Because she's a woman. Yeah. It's not a thing. It's also interesting in that every character in there, for the time period, is a mistreated minority in some way. Oh. There's a Chinese girl, there's a black woman, there's the uh, the trans lady, there's an Italian immigrant, and a Mexican 
uh, I think, no, he's born in America, but his parents came from Mexico. Yeah. Um, and a Russian uh, refugee, basically. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, entire game with, like, no privileged white people, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. And the game did not spontaneously burst into flames or anything like it that. Didn't. It can be done. Somehow it was still a really interesting game with fully fleshed out, interesting, multidimensional characters. Awesome. Any of the other ones that stood out to you? Um, Sunrise is visually amazing, and it's it's the one with the tagline of a diesel punk fairy tale, which, oh, you know, what? if that interests you, you know on. whether or not you want to play this game. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, I had a problem playing it, because it has a very meek heroine at first, and I just, oh... <laughs> I was about five minutes in, and I just wanted to punch everyone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that is kind of true to very fairy tale structure. And while it's still very good, I have a slight problem with it in that I couldn't... It's sort of forwarded as uh, both of the guys you're romantically entangled with are supposed to be sort of legitimate. Like, this guy seems like an asshole, but maybe he has redeeming points, and you're sort of looking for what you used to see in him. <laughs> But for me, that was such a non-starter. <laughs> it just showed up on the screen and I was like, you are the biggest fuck-ass around. Get out of my sight forever. I don't know if I was supposed to feel differently if I missed some of the nuances here, but this guy was just a massive asshole with, like, way too heavy abusive boyfriend overtones. I was not going there. Visual novelist tip. Don't make a romanceable character a total fuck-ass. I don't even know if he was romanceable, because I didn't, like, play back through to, <laughs> to find out. I was not touching this guy. Um, and, you know, he is in the villain role, but there's, you know, hints that he might have redeeming qualities or something. I just don't know how deep I was expected to look for them, or if it was just a case of, well, we, you know, we want to humanize the villain so he's not a cartoon. Right. He's a, he's a complete and total asshole. <laughs> he likes puppies. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that, there's more in that game for people other than me, I suspect. Um, also really, really cute male leads. <laughs> I don't know exactly what ethnic extraction he's supposed to be. He looks Native American to me, but I'm not totally sure. And his family have an ambiguous combination of names. So I'm not totally sure what's going on there. But yeah, it, it's a Wild West alternate uh, fantasy past diesel punk fairy tale with revolutionary overtones. And um, and it's free, you say? Yeah. <laughs> I definitely think, listener, you should give this a shot. <laughs> yes, it, it is very cool. Um not without warnings, but very cool. Mm -hmm. uh, what else? Boy is a lot shorter. It's about... It's supposed to be addressing the very sensitive area of uh, male sexual abuse. Um, I probably shouldn't talk about it too much on the podcast, I guess. I, I think it was trying for something very noble, but I have pretty strong re reservations about it because there's one really problematic character who feels very much like a straw man feminist. And she's the only representation oh, for any uh... sort of feminist views. So, yeah, I'm really uncomfortable with it. Uh, it might be worth a look if you're not likely to be upset by any of that stuff, especially if it's not being handled in a way you think is well done. Um, but be warned if, you, if you're looking at that one. Yeah. Uh, you might have problems with it. And the other one? Uh, Ashara, I want to mention Asana. Ishara. Um, this is a game about awesome lady pirates, <laughs> and it is awesome. <laughs> um, Done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's 
It was well, that's podcast. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> awesome lady pirates being awesome. Awesome lady pirates being awesome. Um, it was a lot longer than I expected, uh, and it it kept. This had a combat system, didn't it? Yes, this had a quite basic turn-based RPG system, which was entirely based on special abilities. Um, I enjoyed that a lot for its simplicity. I thought it could work well as a sort of standard template. Uh, I thought it could work really well as a sort of standard template for combat in these kinds of games because it was so simple and approachable. If you tried to do anything too extended with it, it might be frustratingly shallow in the end. But as it was, if you just have a little bit of combat, if you want to spice up the action scenes by making them feel like something other than a book, mm. um, really cool. Huh. It's uh, Essentially, you have special abilities. They cost X number of points to use. You get one point every round. Instead of XP, if you kill something, you get extra points to use in the next round. Uh, and instead of having a turn per character, you have a turn for the whole party. So if you want to use a, a more expensive ability on someone, you just have them wait this turn, use someone else. Huh. I like that. Uh, yeah, works really well. It's a good expression of team-based combat as well. Uh, story-wise, I wouldn't say it's unpredictable. It's a fairly... You can see where it's going fairly early on. I wouldn't you... say it's unpredictable. <laughs> to damn it with faint praise. Well, I don't have a problem with that at all. In fact, I... Possibly one of my problems as a consumer of media is that I often prefer things where I can feel where they're going and I feel comfortable with that. I'm less interested in a surprise than something that satisfies me. Uh, but it's uh, a story of an ex-noble who turned into a pirate uh, and is uh, back to her family to get a hold of the bargaining chip that they promised her if she pissed off and stopped bothering them forever. <clears throat> At which point, everything goes to shit, um, and she winds up being stranded with a very cute, uh, cowardly asshole nobleman. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you, you have the usual sort of entanglements of he's supposed to marry her sister, but, you know, once he's seen the sexy pirate version with the eye patch, he, he you know, can't appreciate the doll-like version in the dress. It's, uh, sorry, Same. that's kind of a spoiler. <laughs> I, I'm not supposed to, to mention that they become romantically entangled, probably, but if you couldn't see this coming, you've clearly never encountered this kind of genre before. <laughs> Visual novels? Predictable? What? What? Oh, no. No, how could this be? No, there, he, was, he was supposed to marry the, the nice girl. No, this is not. This is not how my pirate adventures end. No, falling um, in love with rad pirate ladies. I, for one, am completely and utterly unsurprised. That would never ever happen to me. <laughs> um, very cool secondary characters as well. I don't want to spoil all that shit. Go and meet them. They're lovely. Uh, and again, this game is free. Yes. Almost, well, everything I've played from this group is free. There's a couple that were paid releases, but they're amongst the ones that I'm not planning to play. Um, I was worried about it because, you, you know, you have a defrosting Ice Queen action girl kind of romance. You have that risk of, you know, and, yeah. and then suddenly he treated her like a girl and she realized that she didn't have to be tough and humorless and blah, 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 blah. And it does... <laughs> <laughs> the face she made, listener. I hate that shit! <laughs> and they almost edge into that at a couple of points, but it really draws back from that and avoids chickifying her at any point. Um, and especially the ending, uh, whereby you can... Uh, you can go it alone or not. I'll put it that way. Um, is there a go-to-space ending? There is not a go-to-space ending. but you can, you can choose to take on the final battle yourself or with companions. <laughs> 
Um, and I went by myself because the story choices made me think that was more appropriate at the time. And I thought very much I was going to get killed for it and encounter the bad ending. And I didn't. And that made me very happy. Hey, cool. Uh, and it's also for quite a clever reason, which is telegraphed early on in the story. And I didn't see it coming. So nice. that part was unpredictable and well done. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm kind of blathering about this, but hey, it's this okay. is another very cool game. Oh, and excellent, excellent use of, uh, atmosphere and sea noises. Cause of course, most of this takes place on boats or in seaside towns. And whoever was doing sound for this game, I can't recall if it's a one person project or a group project, but whoever's doing their sound was really good at this. There's a lot of, you know, the storms really feel like storms and the, the, you know, the quiet morning over the ocean really feels like that that serene moment ah it's very beautifully done in that regard and on boats you uh, it might trigger seasickness in some people wow because they do have the bobbing up and down viewpoint in the boat oh, scenes <laughs> that's le- legitimately interesting uh well directed i guess i'm saying uh visual direction and sound direction very good so yeah, and we'll we'll provide links to all these games Most in the podcast description. I think I've talked quite enough about that. Hey Jeff, what you been playing? Oh, where do you want me to start? <laughs> <laughs> well, we know you've been playing a whole bunch of stuff. What's what's been you know the stuff you've been doing for fun? Fun? What is this fun? Can you eat? I'm a it? journalist. I'm a journalist. I don't have fun. I eat everything. <laughs> I played magic, but I already talked about that. <laughs> and talked about that and talked. Uh, listener, there was a 40-minute section on Magic the Gathering cut out of the last episode. <laughs> yep. A lot of it was complaining about Jace. <laughs> Hate that fucking guy. Totally reasonable. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, played a bit of uh, a Rare Replay. Oh, yes. So I got to uh, I got to be reminded that Banjo-Kazooie didn't age well at all, and having never played it as a kid, that game is shit. Um, does the Rare Replay include Nuts and, nuts and Bolts? It certainly does. Nuts and Bolts is a fantastic game that everybody should play. I I didn't really know why you like Nuts and Bolts so much, and then I heard a couple of podcasters talking about how that game works, and suddenly it all makes a lot of sense. Nuts and Bolts takes your standard collectathon model, and wait a second, what if we could make really cool vehicles for ourselves to do the collecting with? What if instead of, you know... Oh, climb up this mountain and get the thing at the top of the thing. Then it's like, no, what if I made a giant space bouncy chair? <laughs> and it's like, you can, you can dip a, a, a vehicle in lava to, to like, you know, cauterize a section of it or something like that. Just such a strange... Um, I, I understand it's not well signposted. It's open. You can do whatever you want. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck, it <that'll, laughs> Fuck, Fuck it, that'll Fuck it, that'll do. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite stories from when I, the first time I played it, uh, I built a helicopter in it, right? Yeah. You know what helicopters usually need? Uh, tail rotor. Uh, please. <laughs> We're getting really complicated here. No, no, no. You know, uh, landing gear. Um, oh, now, yeah, that's uh, when you build your, uh, when I built my, my helicopter without the landing gear, I got my helicopter and realized, oh shit, this thing can't land. Well, <laughs> everything I do for this level, I'm flying. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> it's a wonderfully goofy game, and um, it reminds me a lot of another one of my favorite games from one of my favorite developers, which is uh, Ice Pick Lodge. Is uh, Cargo 
the quest for gravity. Ice. If you're familiar with Ice Pick Lodge, <sighs> everything Ice Pick Lodge does is weird. Yeah. Cargo is weird for Ice Pick Lodge. Huh. I I think I've seen screenshots of, of cargo on <laughs> Steam. I thought it looked like uh, a kind of puzzle platformery. Uh, well, it's about fun. <laughs> it, it's literally about creating fun so that you can use your fun to rebuild the world that doesn't maybe have gravity anymore. Also, you kick naked dancing babies. You kick naked dancing babies. Yes. That's how you ju- that's how you create fun. What's more fun than kicking a dancing da- dancing naked baby? That does this- sound kind of fun to me. I-, I have aggression issues towards dancing naked babies after growing up in the nineties. What if what if you what if, what if you were a cool mechanic girl who Ooh. built really crazy vehicles and also kicked naked dancing babies? <laughs> Goals. <laughs> Now, at, once you generate enough fun, you can call objects down from the heaven to the war- the planet, such as, like, <laughs> the next level. Holy <laughs> like, Okay, install that, or, you know, um, the, the Large Hadron Collider. <laughs> Are you mechanical, Jesus? <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> I go with this. It's an, it's, it's an odd, 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 it's a strange game. <laughs> it's, it's a strange game. So you've definitely been having a video games out of ten kind of week. <laughs> I haven't even played Cargo this week. I'm just saying, Nuts and Bolts reminds me of a more down-to-earth version of that. And like I said, this is the one where... this is the Nuts and Bolts is the game where you can make the giant space the giant space bouncy chair to go up the mountain. Oh. This is the down-to-earth game. Cargo's way out there. Wonderful. But if we could return to Earth for a second... <laughs> I also played Beyond Eyes. Ah, uh, yes, the game about a blind girl and her kitty. <laughs> it's oh, that game pulls your heartstrings. It's not a good face Talon is making. Is my ooh perhaps naive? Uh, I I just would like to ask: Would you say it's got a good happy ending? I haven't gotten to the ending, but I got to the end of the third chapter. Okay, or second chapter, and the second um, the way you perceive the world in Beyond Eyes is. Mostly through what uh, Ray, the character, what she can see and hear, and then as things come into her her feel and her her area of 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 hearing, um, the game draw or paints really the the, the image in place from what she would assume it looks like. Wow, is that as pretty as it sounds? It is. It's also terrifying at times because <laughs> no kidding. This girl, this little child, doesn't know what some of these things really are mm-hmm. until oh. you get much closer. Oh dear! Like, um, I was playing through it and hear some clothes being blown in the wind, and you see this this pastoral scene with the clothesline and the 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 the, the, the you know frilly dresses blowing and and sheets and things like that drying in the breeze, right? Uh-huh. And you yeah. get closer and closer and closer. And then the crows start and it just turns suddenly into this scarecrow. <laughs> and there are these loud, loud sounds of the crows calling at you. Hmm. And they just keep getting bigger and bigger every time. <laughs> and then she reacts to the sounds that are being made. 
Wow. She'll curl, she'll kind of curl her body forward and, and, and shiver when she hears strange and scary sounds. And then what was once this pastel colored painting around slowly changes into something dark and twisted until you get far enough away and it just slowly changes back. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, this was just a couple minutes of the game and the whole thing is like that. Gosh, that sounds very special. (laughs) It is wonderful. Um, Towards the end of the second chapter, you see this great big just wall of black smoke. And through the, through, like I said, like with the scarecrow, and there's another scene before with um, a dog behind a fence Mm -hmm. where, you know, loud sounds make her scared, make her shiver, make her, the world seem a lot scarier around her. And you see this, this wall of black smoke. And you've come to associate that blackness with, that, that darkness with, uh, with bad things, but that's your destination. That's where you have to go. And when you come up close to it, up to this, like I said, it's just a wall of black smoke that you can't tell what it is. Is it a until, train? Not quite. You take one step towards it and you hear the cars going by. Huh. And so you keep walking along it, and you hear the cars going by all every time you get close, because, okay, I can tell that this is a road, but I don't know how to get across it. And you see something off in the distance that you saw in the tutorial. You hear this tapping sound, and you see this woodpecker off in the distance, because in the tutorial, you saw something give this tapping sound, and it was a woodpecker. Mm-hmm. You get closer and closer because, okay, this is a good thing. This is something I've seen before. It's something I'm familiar with. And you get close enough to it. And that's the ticker. That's the clicker that plays for people who are visually impaired. Crossing cross the road. The, cross the road. And you press it and the, the smoke parts. <laughs> and you can go cool. on ahead. Do they click in the U.S.? Yes. Mm. Here they go sort of boop. Yeah, we have we have a very persistent booping sound. But yeah, that sounds like a really amazing game. I look forward to playing the rest of it. I, <laughs> I don't want to... That's about all I can really say about it. <laughs> because uh-huh. this sounds... This really feels like a game that... <laughs> I think people should play. And play it without... Um, play it without knowing beforehand too much what's going on. Because part of it is seeing... Ray's imagination slowly turned to the the disappointing reality. <laughs> but also, you know, she'll sometimes she'll see, you know, a, a frog will will croak nearby and will hop along. And it's like, oh, that's where the bridge is to get across the creek. So it's not all horrible and bad and and terrifying. Though there is horrifying, bad, and terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, scary yeah. things happen to the world. Is a terrifying and scary place. The dark moments really strike are really striking mm. because there is such a sharp contrast between the 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 pastel the the world that Ray knows that she's familiar with that like I said that's what she fills in the the world around her with so like the buildings that you come across look like her little house that she lives in mm. out in the country okay. but every now and again it's like another example is you hear. Water bubbling off in the distance, and oh, oh, we have a fountain in our garden, so I see this fountain off of the distance, and it's a bubbling culvert. It's a what? It's a drain. A, a drain. Oh, right. A sewage drain. <laughs> or... <laughs> Alright. I really hope they don't go too dark overall with that, because that sounds like a really nice balance point of 
Like, you know, you, I, you I can think, have your they... expectations subverted, but that's not a tragedy by itself. It's it's just an expansion of your awareness. And, you know, that's quite a cool, valuable thing. And it doesn't have to be, you know, dramatically, oh, look, everything is terrible, even though you thought it was nice. It'd be much <laughs> more interesting and, and mm-hmm. more subtle to just, you know, learn and experience and become wiser without, you know, destroying anything. That's yeah. why I like the... Uh... Like the like the this all happened in the same chapter, and then it, it ending off with you know the, the ending off with the woodpecker sound being what led yeah. you to be able to get across you know nicely. It's like okay, this is not a bad thing that happened. Yeah, I, I hope that's the kind of tone that it it winds up having all the way through. That sounds mm-hmm. like a lot of uh, well, I would say a lot of fun to play, but rather a really good experience. Mm. Hey, Talon, what have you been playing? Uh, well, Klaus, I've been playing a surprising amount of Star Realms. Uh, in the... Again? <laughs> yeah. Well, believe... Klaus. No, seriously. We need to get away from these fucking card games. <laughs> I'm, I'm designing a card game. He's playing it on the Speaking computer. Speaking of which, if you don't, if you, if you want us to get away from these fucking card games, pay attention <laughs> to what I, what I publish on Tuesday. Ooh, I see. I'm not getting away from the fucking card games. <laughs> Yeah, I've been playing a whole bunch of Star Realms for class, and that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. <laughs> and I've also picked up in the Devolver Digital Sale, Titan Souls and Ronin. Mm-hmm. Ronin is interesting, but the difficulty curve jumped a little sharp for me, so I'm, I consistently get stuck at one point in one level. Still really stylish, really like it. Uh, Titan Souls I haven't gotten that far into because apparently I also reinstalled Hotline Miami. <laughs> <laughs> is um is Titan Souls the one that's like a pixely two D Dark Soulsy Shadow of the Colossus type thing? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's it's a really interesting game. It's like the rule of one. You have one arrow. You have oh, enemies that die in one hit. Ah. You die in one hit. It's a very interesting game. Now, the the enemies die in one hit thing isn't isn't constant. Yeah, it, it's more that every single hit, like basically the one like enemies that die in more than one hit, it's like there's something tangible. Like one of them is a slime, and you shoot it, and it splits into two slimes. So you've got to mm-hmm. kill the two slimes, etc., so on and so forth. So you know, I, there is always a tangible, visible element of them of like when they get hit, you know about it. Yeah, like shooting the yeti in the bum. <laughs> Don't shoot yetis in the bum. Yetis are nice. <laughs> it's true. Yetis are lovely. Especially, especially the abdominal snowman. Sorry, I forgot the single most important nano that I played. Go on. Which is cute demon crashes. Oh, yes. Which is the just, just friendliest, cutest, most beautiful sex game I have ever seen. <laughs> it's... It's it's a story about a university student who is is disappointed that all her friends are hooking up and wishes for a summer fling while she's getting busy with her hand one night and four demons show up to go we could help you with that <laughs> and they hang around your house for the next couple of days so you can get to know them and if you want bone one of them only one <laughs> uh, there is a secret ending if you've seen all the other endings where you're like I want all of you and they're like. You don't seem like a virgin. <laughs> Is there a well, secret not, here? No. <laughs> and you're like, yes. And there's like a one scene orgy ending, <laughs> which has no actual what? sex in it. <laughs> but I love that they included it anyway. Um, it's I am really into this game because it's all about the importance of consent 
and being mm-hmm. comfortable. There are actually unlockable things you can only get if you if you say during the encounter, "Okay, we got to stop now. Uh, I'm done. It's cool." And all of the all the alternate endings from doing this are really non-judgmental. Like, you know, there's no, you know, oh, can't we go all the way through kind of thing. It's just, you know, all right, let's cuddle. And you get a really adorable waking up together kind of scene. It's, it's really beautifully done, and it would be an excellent thing to go for if you're interested in this kind of thing, but the general gross attitude of H Games turns you off. Uh, it's a really good choice. Um, and not entirely het either. There is one girl demon amongst the demons. Hey, Red. That reminds me of, reminds me of a game that I forgot to mention too that I played. <laughs> oh, go on then. <laughs> Actually, just because I forgot to mention one. But I, I also played Rain of Bullets. Oh! I've never heard of this. Well, that's because it just came out. Oh. I almost <laughs> thought you meant Tower of Guns. Go on. No. No, this is Rain of Bullets. This is completely different. <laughs> completely different. How completely could I possibly? different? <laughs> See, Rain of Bullets is a game where uh, you play as the farmer, or the, the mechanic, sorry, the mechanic named Troy. And uh, Troy has a little garage and, uh, you know, does mechanic things in his garage. And then the the, the giant Titan Corporation decides to build the uh, the, the, the roadway to their, their new super mega factory right through his garage. Troy doesn't like that. Because <laughs> Troy hops into his garage, which is what's left of it. Goes all the way to the back, gets in his jet, and he's out for financial compensation. <laughs> I was waiting for where the rain of bullets would factor into this, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, how else is he going to get financial compensation? He's going to do it with bullets. Lots of them. Rain of bullets is a, a really accessible shmup that has a bunch of difficulty levels and a ton of customization. Is that a top-down, or...? It's a side-scrolling, uh, hand-drawn animation shmup. Um, your, as you go through the levels, you get scrap that you can use to upgrade your, your jet with new, you know, more, more damage from your machine guns to fire more bullets, and you can also pick up different kinds of guns, and you can bolt these guns onto your jet <laughs> in any direction you want, and then... You can mod the guns themselves to have even more options. Like, you know, it could do more damage, or it could be a spread gun, or it could split off in other directions when it's another thing. And as you upgrade your jet, you can put more and more guns on your guns, (laughs) or on your jet. (laughs) Oh, that sounds pretty fun. And uh, it's actually, like I said, it's got a bunch of different difficulty levels, so it's really easy to play. Uh, I don't even... Hmm? Sorry. I keep starting to speak exactly when you start to speak. <laughs> it's all good. So uh, when people tell me about the American dream, this is what they're talking about, right? <laughs> it's like, wait a second. This company, this company broke my stuff. I will, I will have financial recompensation. I just, I just Through love immensely that. superior firepower. I love that tagline. He's out for financial compensation. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, I was expecting, you know, I, lo- I, I previewed it and then I actually got to review it. And I was expecting, okay, this is going to be a revenge story or, you know, it's the man going up against the, it's, it's, it's a single person going up against the, the corporate. No, 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 no. The guy just wants his fair share. <laughs> <laughs> the load screens are his Twitter feeds where he just sends kind of snarky tweets at like the company. It's great. <laughs> oh, that's oh. amazing. <laughs> I like that gimmick. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really so, cool. 
So yeah, I had to tell I had to talk about random bullets. <laughs> I like games that still do load screen gimmicks. I, I feel like that's almost a lost art as load times get a bit faster. Smooth transition. So the Ludum Dare game jam is going on for the next forty eight hours. I like how you just kinda of slurred that out because no one could ever figure out how to pronounce Ludum Dare. <laughs> I is that not how you pronounce it? I've heard so many different. I've heard so many different ways. It's like, yeah, it's the <laughs> the, the Ludumdare. 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 Yes, the twenty, the forty-eight hour Ludumdare game jam is going on, and <laughs> sorry, <laughs> and the theme is. You are the monster. Now, we're recording this on Friday night, and it'll be Monday morning when it goes up. It's not going to wind up being part of the game jam, so we're not providing anything useful for anyone who's actually doing the game jam. But I We're not providing anything useful for anybody, let's be honest. The thought I had was we could talk about video games we've played, where, for one reason or another, you are the monster. I could talk about a video game. And we're not just, and we're not just talking about like Ken Levine bullshit, right? (laughs) Well, I was hoping we could talk about good video games. Fox, you were saying about the game you made? I could in fact talk about a game I made where you are the monster, because the the first game jam I did. Now, Uh, hang on, just a thought though. hmm? This is going to involve spoilers. Just in case you don't worry, listener, Uh, there'll be spoilers. Sorry. Uh, we will not, this is not going to occupy the whole podcast. There will be more after this, but just so you know. Well, no spoilers for this. It's pretty obvious. And the game only really got to a demo stage anyway. Um, but the first jam I did was the 48 hour game jam in Queensland. And our keywords were light, spring, and monster. Um, so what we did was, didn't really get finished to the stage that it was supposed to be, which was really frustrating, but, uh, the concept was essentially a sort of limbo-esque stealth game, where you were a big-headed, uh, only slightly defined child. <laughs> the, the whole thing was done in silhouettes, which was really interesting to work with as an artist. I enjoyed that part. Um... Where you were a small, big-headed child who also transformed into a giant, hairy monster. And this field was populated with uh, other monsters who were basically the same as you and human guards. So there was the idea that when you were a monster, the other monsters didn't try and kill you, but the humans would come after you. And when you were a human, the, you know, the humans were fine with you, but the monsters would come after you. Um, so it was supposed to be this sort of, you know, scripted, platformy, puzzly, stealth thing where you could use both forms to get around the other, the, the NPCs. Um, we never really got much done in the way of level design. Uh, but it was exciting. <laughs> and I'd love to see a game done like that with the, the shape-shifting aspect to it as a, a stealth mechanism. Do we have a lot of those? I actually, uh, played one a few months ago. Ooh, that's uh, nice. Th- th- uh... Sort of like a stealth thing. It was a a Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, oh, game. Yeah. oh yes. This was another game jam game, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, as, as you moved in one direction, you were uh, J- J- Jekyll, and as you moved the other direction, you were Hyde. And Hyde didn't get affected by Hyde didn't get affected by criminals, but he was chased by guards and vice versa. Right. So very similar kind of concept. Yeah. And uh, since it was a 2D side scroller, you had to negotiate the, po- the 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 platforming elements in different directions in order to get through them properly without getting without getting uh, touched. <laughs> well, 
It was, it, I, I've seen this played. It's a very interesting little thing. It, it was a 24-hour kind of game thing. Mm-hmm. Ours was Actually, uh, I, I said a few months ago, now I think I think it was a year ago. I think that uh, that was for Indy 3. Yeah, you and I... That's oh, what right. I was thinking in my we, head. That's where, that's where we heard of it. Yeah, we I were talking about it with this. a developer. You watched me play it. <laughs> yes. Cool. Yeah. I'm glad uh, we figured out where we remembered that from. <laughs> Same kind of thing, though ours was less platformy and more, um, the, I think the concept was originally that these flowers that grew around the stage were what caused the transformation, so you had limited opportunities to use the monster form. Oh. Um, which didn't really wind up getting implemented. In the end, all it basically was, you can walk past a bunch of NPCs and find the flower at the end and you die, because I'd drawn this amazing dying animation with like 40 frames or something. (laughs) (laughs) And when we saw it, we laughed so hard, we were like, okay, we have to just end the game with you dying now, because we've got to put this in it. It's art, damn it. (laughs) It is. It is art. You, You quest fruitlessly and your ultimate goal is your own destruction. Art! That said, I do know a video game where you play a monster and you quest fruit fully, as in you carry around fruit. <laughs> you you got to make me talk about Mystery Dungeon. I'm going to make you talk about Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. <laughs> Pokemon aren't really monsters. We all know this by now. In fact, they're it's even in less the title. <laughs> it says Pocket Monsters. It's yeah, that's... Right, right there. Yeah, monsters in name only. Does Poke mean not really now? <laughs> Welcome to the not really center. It, come on. Especially in Mystery Dungeon where they talk to each other. Yeah. And there's like, the, 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 the Kangaskhan at the item store is like, don't worry, dearie, I'll take care of you. <laughs> She's like your freaking monster. Mom. <laughs> well, she might be a she. I don't know. Could go either way. That's one of the really cool things about it, actually. Like, you're the only person who has any idea of, like, like you know what your assigned gender is? No one else's is, is, uh, made an issue. Whatever. In, in, in the, uh, Mystery Dungeon games in general, they're, they're a turn-based roguelike. Yes. Uh, Dungeon Explorer, you run around with a whole bunch of Pokemon in a train behind you. Yes. You headbutt things. This has incredibly cute graphics. <laughs> I love watching tiny pixel Pokemon walk around and punch things. I could do it all day. Spiel? I have done it all day on multiple days. Yeah, that was... <laughs> Sveal. Sveal is a Pokemon I never had any affection for, except in Mystery Dungeon it rolls instead of walking. <laughs> That's just the cutest goddamn thing! How can you not... Uh, how, how, how can you not have affection for Sveal? It is a ball that is a seal. And of course, this is where the first time I believe Fox got to play as a Munchlax. <laughs> this is where I gained my love for Munchlax. And, um, in the second generation of Mystery Dungeon games, you could be a Munchlax. Though in the... You know how the Pokemon games usually have your two mainline titles and then there's a third one they release a bit later on with Extra Junk? Mm-hmm. The Extra Junk one, they changed it so you couldn't be a girl and a Munchlax at the same time. And that made me extremely Ooh. cross. In the, the first two games of that generation, they changed what it had been previously where your gender was always a component of which Pokemon you wound up as. Um, and they took that away in that generation. That made me really happy. Because if I want to be a goddamn Marowak lady, then I should be a goddamn Marowak lady. And don't you get in my fucking way. <laughs> Especially since Marowak was quite specifically yeah. Cubone's mother. Good point. <laughs> yeah, that is even that's more. Literally the, that's literally the description of Marowak. Yeah, before they had genders, Marowak was a mum. Yep. <laughs> Side note: the the introduction of gender to Pokemon is just the weirdest <laughs> thing to think about. It's not too bizarre, except that they had that first couple of generations where it didn't exist. So you have like this one species that has two genders, and everything else is like 
She'd yeah. probably be saying sex rather than gender to think of, but that's not the point. Yeah. Anyway, and, and you know, weird shit like Kangaskhan and Marowak and... And the Nidorans, which explicitly have a gender marker in their <laughs> yeah, name. Yeah, for some reason these have males and females. Nothing else. Except now they do. Uh, wait, do they? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> very, very messy, untidy. What we're saying is oh. that biologists in the Pokemon universe suck. And... Uh, Oh, no, clearly they've clearly they've recognized in, in the Pokemon universe that, that gender isn't necessarily binary. That's true. Because there are genderless Pokemon, and there are... The Nidoran <laughs> situation yeah. is just so far out there with the Nidoran male that becomes a Nidorino, and then what? Yeah. Maybe that's why they still can't and those are different, reading. And those are different than the, the, the males and females of other... Of other PCs, so... Porygon has a binary gender. Uh, <laughs> this is probably why they still can't work out breeding. Like, have you noticed every generation the daycare people are still like, Oh my goodness, where did this egg come from? You're like, we I'm don't 12 know. when I've worked we, it out, guy. Like, we literally don't know. This just happened. Aren't you and then, and then And then Ditto gets involved, and once Ditto gets involved, everything just goes right out the window. <laughs> By the way, I am a horrible person. I named my first ditto Stock. I named my ditto K-Y. Like, K-E-I-W-A-I. <laughs> I, I, I didn't do a lot of nicknaming, but I would nickname Pokemon based on what I was going to use them for, so I didn't lose track. Uh-oh. So I have a Bidoof that's just called Amnesia. <laughs> By the way... For the record, I nickname everything. You do. Everything. You do. I've seen it. We have a ranch full of about 50 Munchlaxen, and they all have unique <laughs> names. Yeah, one of them is called Toast. <laughs> I just I started running out of ideas, so I called them anything I could think of. Mostly food items. Wasn't your first Charmander Toaster? Yes. Huh. When I was like 14, Toaster. So, to go into a more classical vein of You Are the Monster... Setting aside Far Cry 3, because that's almost too easy. <laughs> Again, I've been playing a lot of Hotline Miami. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Never heard of it. Is there a dragon mask? Uh, there is not a dragon mask. There is a crocodile mask. I remember there was a unicorn, that's all. Yes. Uh, the unicorn which makes your guns quiet. Okay. Yeah. I, I, um, I've been playing a lot of Hotline Miami. <laughs> I can't really justify this in any way in my head. It's just that, like, I've been bothering to pick up achievements in Hotline Miami. It's going to be the episode title, isn't it? I've been playing a lot of Hotline Miami. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I never asked for this. <laughs> Wait, no, that's the wrong game. Yeah. Well, in, in that game, there's concern from Jensen that he, he is a monster because he has rad cyborg limbs. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Oh, yeah, <laughs> God, it, I oh, hate being awesome. This is so, so terrible. It's so tragic. I was massively injured, and instead of being physically handicapped, instead I have cyborg limbs, and now I am a superhero. Boo hoo hoo. Same. <laughs> I don't get to wear my shoes anymore. <laughs> Goddamn crying video game protagonist babies. I. I like how I like how in Metal Gear Rising, like Raiden just rolls with this yes. cyborg shit. It's like, fuck it, fuck it. I'm a, I can use I can use my new toenails to drift. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the most Japanese things I've ever heard. He's not joking. <laughs> not joking. 
Riding the Metal Gear Rising owns. Not on, not only is he a very pretty man, but he owns. There's a wonderful ridiculousness about Metal Gear franchise games in that you can pretty much constantly go from ridiculous thing to ridiculous thing. And if it was any other franchise, there'd be this moment of, you made that up. But with Metal Gear, no. 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 <laughs> even, back in the, even back on the MSX, My only there, was, there, was, there was a situation in Metal Gear 2 where in order to get into a building, in order to infiltrate a building, you had to get an egg for an owl. <laughs> hatch the owl the owl hooting after it hatched would make the guards inside think that it was night so they would open the gate for the for the uh for the shift to change wow. so you get in it's like this actually happened in the game <laughs> <laughs> it's like stealth espionage lucasarts like, keep in sure mind that, that in, in order for the, the keep in mind keep in mind of course that you know, you had to make them think it was night, which meant it was day. <laughs> and they were outside. <laughs> oh, well, the owls would think, I guess it's night now. <laughs> it's literally what Snake okay. had to do. They were out. I was just assuming they were. it, it was an indoor compound. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I no. don't even. It's like, oh, it's night now. Okay. <laughs> With... Owls wouldn't lie to us. <laughs> Owls are very wise. <laughs> Owls have never shown us wrong before. Especially in video games. That's why I vote for the owl every election. <laughs> That's why I vote for these nuts. <laughs> Look, the owl record is unimpeachable. And now it's time for Retro Gaming News. All the news is fit print for the month of August 2012. Brought to you by Gillette of New York. Your one-stop shop for off-the-shoulder dresses, fountain headwear, and Atlas shrugs. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that joke just lands and you got to sit back. <laughs> you get to enjoy it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> August 2012, a month. First up, we have a game that arrived first on the Xbox Live Summer of Arcade. Is just a... like just like in 2011, but this time 2012. Yeah. Uh, the game... uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater HD. <laughs> no, but excuse me while I scribble something off the list. <laughs> well done there, Jeb. <laughs> Well, you better get this one too, Jeb, because I don't know jack about Xbox uh, Live. I'm trying to think of what the what it they were. Has, it has zombies in it. Does that narrow it down? <laughs> oh, Not that really. Sure narrows, no, that sure it narrows doesn't. it the fuck down. Yeah. Uh, it thinks it's cleverer than it is. Uh, all zombie games. <laughs> all Xbox Live summer arcade games except for Bastion? <laughs> it's a post-apocalyptic, gritty, side-scrolling adventure game. Oh, oh, no, it's, I know which uh, one it is. It's, um... Well, you are the monster, I know that much. Yeah. No, ah, uh, I can't remember what it's called. I can never remember what it's called. Side-scrolling? It's, it's not like side-scrolling in the kid... Like, it's, you know, there is a linear left, linear right kind of thing. It's not like there's an actual scroll. It's kind of platformy, right? You climb through windows yeah. and you dive rolls and shit. Yeah. It's, um... I, I, know, it's what it's I know what game called. it is, but yeah. I can't remember the fucking title, because it's not I Am Alive, because that you came too. later. Yeah, all the characters are silhouettes. You can root around. It's actually kind of got a neat, uh, neat I, thing where it's there's a risk reward mechanic because you root through like you, when you're looting around through things, 
you're giving the, the, the zombies more time to catch you. I just can't remember the name of the fucking game. And yep. ID cards with just printed in big letters, you're a bad person, aren't you? <laughs> you, the player! Yeah, they're all named after serial killers. You can find the... Uh, it's very subtle. Yeah, you can find... The, it's just... <laughs> Is there a Hitler card? That would be the best thing ever. No, I just remember when the first one I picked it up and it's like, ID card, John Wayne Gacy. I'm like, that stands out. <laughs> Subtle. <laughs> I wonder what they're trying to get at, game. No, the game is called Deadlight. That's the one. Uh, not to be confused with Dying Light. Yes. Deadlight is kind of crap. <laughs> oh, I have, I have a question for you, Talon. Yeah? Was this when uh, Alan Wake's American Nightmare came out? Uh, yes. I didn't actually put that on that list because I didn't have much to say about it. <laughs> Jeb, stop <laughs> guessing all the games in advance, you butts. All right. We have a spin-off game of a franchise that is itself a spin-off from a franchise. <laughs> um, I'm lost. That was one too many spins. <laughs> the, the uh, as it were, the genesis of this particular group of games started on the NES. The more recent incarnations came on the PlayStation. The spin-off grew on the PlayStation and grew into greater fruition on the PlayStation 2. And is this game itself on the PlayStation 2, or is this when I, it found its way to the Wii? I believe this is a PSP game. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a character-driven fight game. But, oh, okay. I, I was gonna. I was going to say that uh, Final Fantasy VII spinoff with Vincent Valentine. No, that's not a fight game. No, oh, is this Dissidia? No, but Jeb's in the right family of kind of game, but not a Square published game. Think Atlas. Oh, uh, uh, the um. <laughs> it's not Persona 4 Arena, that's not a PSP game. No, it's not a PSP so game, a is it? No, you're right, it's it's a Vita. My bad. Sorry. Yes, it's Persona 4 Arena. It oh, is Persona Arena, though. Okay, yeah. it's also a PS3 game, which is why I was confused. Yeah, my my bad. I, I've got paper notes for this time, instead of like using the, the computer for it, so there are going to be some slip-ups. But yeah, Persona 4 oh, Arena. Hell, well, that game always... has amazing sprite work. Doesn't it, Jaws? Ah. <laughs> I mean, you know, talent being wrong about something is kind of a gimmick. You know? <laughs> so... Yeah. But yes, Persona 4 Arena, which, amongst other things, has a really cute sprite of a dog in a hoodie. <laughs> Alright. No, Agiyiko should wear a shirt. He, he just looks better in a shirt. In Persona 4 Dance All Night, Naoto gets Akihiko's outfit as an unlockable. Hot damn! <laughs> Okay, we have a sequel to a very generic action adventure. In fact, when I use the word generic in this context, I mean that this game draws so heavily from its genre, there's almost nothing unique to it. Hmm. This game is remarkable in its derivativeness. (laughs) It's not Darksiders. Yes, it is. It's Darksiders, okay. I would say that has something distinctive to it, which is it's uglier than all its inspirations. (laughs) But it's very, very ugly. But it very clearly draws from the Warhammer 40k visual aesthetic. Oh yeah, you're right. (laughs) Forgot about that. Yeah, okay. It's the Legend of Zelda as done by Warhammer 40k with a portal gun. It's a creatively devoid Zelda hack. (laughs) It's a fun game. I'm told Darksiders 2 is better. Darksiders, if Darksiders 1 was an attempt to be Ocarina of Time, Darksiders 2 is kind of more like Diablo 2. And it does that pretty well, honestly. That would be a better option, frankly. I think the crafting system that... I, I remember interacting with a crafting system that made me go, nope, I'm never interacting with this again, so... I just, I was kind of weirded out by the... Okay, your your main character, your hero, your focal character is war. Yeah. <laughs> the embodiment of war. <laughs> And you're having him do Zelda-y adventure-y plays. <laughs> you, you know, you know when Darksiders Red? 1 was at its best? 
You know when Dark Siders 1 was at its best? When you were shooting angels out of the sky with a magical rocket launcher? <laughs> yes. Yeah. There should have been a lot more of that. There should have been a lot more of murdering everything. I think the weirdest thing to me about Darksiders 1 is right towards the end, and I sat down and counted this, the average number of times you had to hit something to kill it. Like, you're the embodiment of war, and you have to hit a mook 72 times. Seriously? Because that's how high the combo mm-hmm. counter was going. You sure you didn't just have, like, uh, you know, upgrades you'd missed or something? No, that's no. That's really was... how it's supposed to be? Yeah, it, it, you know, really grindy, high combo combat, because rather than... The... Well, you were also supposed to switch weapons all the time. Yeah, true. I just want to bring up... Because, like, some weapon, some enemies were weak to, like, the scythe, and some were weak to the whatever the fuck else he did. <laughs> Compare and contrast, by the end of Twilight Princess, Link has a one-hit mook kill. <laughs> You know how you do it? Do tell. You don't draw your sword until they come up close to you. Then you just go, stab. Oh, that's cool. It's right as fuck. Oh, right. <laughs> and you can, like, chain it together if you're quite good at it. I love doing that. Okay, so next up, we have a small indie game made by Minority Studios. I don't think that'll help anyone. Is that their name? That's their name. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cute. Uh, it features a... It features a protagonist character who is small and an offsider character to the protagonist who is a giant lumbering monster, like four times her. Oh, height. Papo-Nyo. Papo-Nyo. Yes. That is a very that that is a game that makes me very sad. Yeah. I don't know this one. Sad because it's not very good or sad because it's a sad game. It's wonderful and it's a wonderful game. Mm. It's also very sad. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. If you don't like oh. if you like wonderful games, play it. If you don't like sad games, Stay very, very, very <laughs> far away from Papo Nyo. If you're, if you're, if, listener, if you're familiar with the content of Papo Nyo, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Um, we have an RPG on a console that was considered at this point to be dead. Recently dead, not like a Commodore 64 game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was actually a lot oh, of controversy. Oh, is this the one that, is this, is this the one that came out on the, uh, Dreamcast? No, 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 no. Dead. Much more recently dead than that. It's gonna be PSP, oh. right? No. No? Uh, this game, there was a huge huge furore about getting the people who own this game to distribute it, along with some other games. Is this one of the Xenoblade things? Yes, it's one of the Project Rainfall games. <laughs> I'm always just going to call it the Xenoblade. I don't even know if Xenoblade has anything to do with that. <laughs> no, just Xenoblade Chronicles was one of the one of the games. My favorite thing about Xenoblade Chronicles... It was like the, 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 the shadow thingy guy. That was one of them, right? Uh, Pandora's Tower was one of them as well. Yeah, that one. The that's sa- the, that's the shadow anymore. thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, this is the last story. Oh, maybe that... Uh, which one was the one with the shadow people thingy? I don't know, but I do know <laughs> that in Xenoblade Chronicles, the big enemy <laughs> weapon that you have to get is the Monado, <laughs> and someone I watched online joked that, oh yeah, they're like a Menudo tribute band, and then you find out that the soundtrack to Xenoblade Chronicles has, in it, two different Menudo tribute bands. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> I, uh, gosh. They, you catch the name of the other big important fancy weapon? The Gaybolg? <laughs> which is, you know, it, it's yeah. a, a name with a, a proper mythological pedigree and everything, but mm-hmm. American voice actors can't say that and be taken seriously. It just can't be done. The Gaybolg. It's problematic <laughs> when you start pronouncing it the Gaybolg. That's not really how you say it either, but, you know, it, it's Scottish, so we're not gonna try. <laughs> <laughs> this is your people. You think I can speak like my people? <laughs> They would spit on me if I tried to pronounce it at them. It's right. the, uh, there's another JRPG that uh, uses uses the, the gay bulge. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no, made it What's it worse. called again? Uh, 
Yeah, it's one of those things that comes up now and then, depending on on how aware the writer is of, of how is it it's lost, going to sound was it in lost, the West. Lost Odyssey? I think Lost Odyssey had it, yeah. Could be. And it was a gun that looked like a giant cock and balls? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, they probably knew it. Alright, so... <laughs> it also... Uh, we're not. Look, it we're not also topping. released. It also released giant white blasts from the end of it. All right, we have a crime game. Basically, we have a game in the genre of Grand Theft Auto games. Oh, I thought you meant like a Saints Row Three. No, not Saints Row Three. In fact, if you were to do a continuum, you'd have Grand Theft Auto in the middle, Saints Row on the silly side, and on the opposite side, you'd have this game. Oh fuck! I oh, know super what this gritty. Is. Not super gritty, but just definitely more towards the serious side of things in Grand Theft Auto. I mean, this is still a game where you have a, where at one point of the DLC, you have to chaperone a ghost. <laughs> Not set Sleeping in America. Dogs. Sleeping yes. dogs. Yes. Sleeping dogs. Where you have to game. chaperone a ghost. A ghost. And this is the more serious game. Yeah, but this is the game where you shove people into, like, fucking meat grinders. Yeah. I wonder if we can mod that into Saints Row instead of the uh, the, the prostitute escorts. <laughs> It'd just be more fun if you had to keep a ghost happy. <laughs> with yeah, and the, the moving around that's trying to move an Ouija board. Um, but with uh, with with Sleeping Dogs, the game in general is very interesting to me because rather than trying to make its system of you know crime and police attention as this very binary thing, they made it so that there is competing conflicting loyalties in that you want to get better with both the triads and with the police so it winds up working out very differently you wind up behaving in a particular way based on who's observing you are you like undercovering or are you yeah. just trying to you're an undercover cop who gets betrayed cool. and then yeah. he gets betrayed again yeah and then he gets betrayed yeah and then he gets betrayed again <laughs> and at the end he gets betrayed again well they kind of warned you with the name of the game didn't they <laughs> sleeping dogs lie that itself is kind of an interesting thing to play with because i mean let's be honest in in games that have morality systems you do generally just wind up acting differently depending on who's watching you yeah so it's nice that they work that into your motivations in character as well yeah All but right. then the upgrades wind up being extremely linear and you know binary ah. morality based so yeah uh, also also the combat's a little unbalanced because if Eventually, you just wind up breaking kneecaps all the time. Hey, hunt down! That's my kind of game. <laughs> that's that's that, I mean, this this is a game where you shove people into meat grinders and shit. So I mean, that's what the combat is. Yeah, you're talking to someone whose boss saint actually refused to use weapons until they gave me a rocket launcher. Before that, it was just stomping on people all yes. the way through. All right, we have a PlayStation Network re-release. Of an odd game, a fighting game. Um, big detail, chunky sprites. Um, it's an anime tie-in. Sprites. Was there a PS? Wait, was there a PSN release of uh, of Evil Zone? Because that would have been amazing. <laughs> no, not no, of Evil Zone. That was 3D, wasn't it? That yeah. was 3D, and it was glorious. Really and whatever game it. you're talking about, I'd rather talk about Evil Zone. <laughs> <laughs> not talking about Evil Zone. Well, dicks. well, the anime this was based on has had a resurgence in population at popularity. And oh, a new is series. it uh, all JoJo All Star Battle? Yeah, it's figuring it was a Dragon Ball, but I thought they'd been 3D for quite a long time. No, no, it's jo- it, it's a JoJo's. release of JoJo's ah. Bizarre Adventure. Did I see there's a girl JoJo now? Yeah, Jolene. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's She's a new awesome. development, right? I don't remember any of those. From that's back new. In the day. That's Whoa. new. Yeah. <laughs> 
And, and I know nothing about. Uh, I I have never. I, I have seen like one episode of it, and it's not my thing. But I seem to know a whole lot about it because that's what the people I roll with. All right, we have technically this is a re-release of a game that was already out on a platform, but this is like a special bundled together edition of it. Uh, this was the Windows release of a game that is designed to be finished, but people act like it's not. This is. So it was the Windows release of it. Yeah. Okay. Dark Souls. Yes. <laughs> Dark Souls, a slightly hard video game that attracts some of the worst kind of gamers. It is quite a hard video game. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Slightly is fair. I think it was Doc who really crystallized my opinions about Dark Souls rhetoric, which is Dark Souls is a video game. You're meant to get to the end. It may challenge you along the way, but you're meant to get to the end. It's not like you climbed a fucking mountain. It's not (laughs) like you fought a bear. It's not even like it's I want to be the guy. Yeah. Which is a game that actively hates you and doesn't want you to finish it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I've i talked about all this before, making fun of people for saying I beat games and uh, pointing out that Dark Souls is designed a lot more carefully than people think it is. Yeah. Except for the bosses. <laughs> <laughs> well, by carefully, I mean like they have thought a lot more about how easy it will or won't be to finish a thing rather than just go. Except for the bosses. Yeah, do whatever we want. Fuck you guys. I just imagined how I would be approaching playing Dark Souls right now because, as I may have mentioned, I've been playing a lot of Hotline Miami lately and I don't think that mindset <laughs> shifts well. No, that's quite similar to the mindset I went into Dark Souls with and it doesn't work very well for very long. <laughs> doesn't play a Pyromancer. <laughs> I played a band. What's my plan? Fuck you! <laughs> I played a band. I got an axe, I got a shield, and I've got a magical hand that shoots fire. Same. Yeah, see, I had a shield and an axe, and then I looked at my shield and went, eh. Needs more axe. Your button's kind of awkward anyway. Where's another axe? <laughs> this didn't work out very well. Alright. No, we... Dark Souls has some really bad boss design later, later in the game. The bad chaos can go fuck itself. Yeah, you're probably right. I haven't seen... Fucking tick. I doubt I've seen anything that would count as being late game stuff. I don't know how far through the game I have seen, but none of it felt very late gamey. All right. We have... It, it, oh, it okay. stays pretty good and... It stays pretty good and really well designed up to... Uh, up until um, in Orlando, and then it kind of falls off the rails. Actually, I think that's right where we got to. Is, is Orlando <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's got cathedrals and mm-hmm. fancy... Uh, yeah, right. We, we played like the very beginning of that, and then... Well, then my cousin moved to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got to the archers, and then everybody just says, fuck it when they get to the in Orlando archers, and then... <laughs> Alright, we have the release on the iOS... Of a little game, a very little game. Um, I I could, I think I could give the developer's name and give it away to Jeb, but not to Fox. <laughs> uh, it's a Terry Cavanaugh game. I know very little about iOS releases anyway. Is it VVVVVV? It's not VVVVVV. That's not little, is it? No. Oh, it's fucking huge. V- well, VVV expansive, like size-wise, like uh, going around exploring. Yeah, that game is enormous. Um, download size, it's like 13 meg. It's tiny. Oh, is that how you meant it? In no, terms of- I mean smaller. Yeah. Everything Terry Cavanaugh does is, you know, inspired by the, the Commodore 64, so. Yeah, this was inspired, this game, if I understand correctly, wasn't inspired by the Commodore 64, but was inspired by those little handheld things. Okay, hold up. Really? Um, when I said, is that how you meant it, I meant, did you mean small in terms of file size? Because I thought you meant small in terms of scope. I mean, I, this game is small in terms of scope. Right. This game is, this game is, like, I think, two buttons, and it's, 
got a song and it's fast and it's really hard. Super Hexagon. Super Hexagon. All right. It's really hard. Yeah. I have actually seen that, but really, I didn't know he made it. Mm, it's really fucking hard. <laughs> Super Hexagon's really fucking hard. Take yeah. your Dark Souls shit. Go the fuck off. <laughs> Super Hexagon is fucking hard. Hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I got to Anna Londo and I got to the Arches. Yeah, I scored 45 on Super Hexagon. Whoa! You. <laughs> we got a badass here. <laughs> Alright, finally. We got a badass here. Last, last game of this Retro Gaming News Roundup. It's an MMO. Mm-hmm. Alright, so it's an MMO that launched in August 2012. So it's about three years old now. It's a fantasy style, if I say theme park MMO, is that meaningful to both of you? That's the, oh. That means that's the one where you go and see the things and the things happen. Yeah, yeah. It's it's is very it Neverwinter. No, not Neverwinter. This game is apparently something of a large success. This game now or then? Now and then. This game doesn't have. Okay, so it's not Final Fantasy fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> this game doesn't have a monthly subscription fee. Guild Wars two. Guild Wars two. Yeah. Oh, is that a theme park? Yeah, it's okay. It's a it's bit very, of a weird literally, it, it, that, that game literally does have you going around from point to point collecting places to look at stuff. Yeah, and one of the things that they did during each major event throughout the year is a theme park, which includes <laughs> paintball. I, uh, I haven't played Guild Wars 2. I was just assuming it would be somewhat like Guild Wars 1, which was a lot more... Linear. Like heavily story driven. Like the mm. the best place to get to the best way to get to the next area was to do the main quest in that area because it would take you to the next checkpoint. Basically. The way Guild Wars Two is structured basically is that it is a theme park, but one of the rides is the linear plot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and you don't uh, have to stick to it. I'm into that. Guild, I... Guild Wars Two kind of it, it takes a lot of the the Guild Wars One story story driven mechanics. And kind of rubs them against like Final Fantasy XIV's presentation and yeah. and <laughs> and mechanics and kind of gets a little friendly and then you have Guild Wars Two. Yeah, I I I admit I'm not that heavily into Guild Wars Two. I played it for about a couple of months. I do like it. I very much like it aesthetically. It looks really good, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's huge. It's too huge for me to have a handle on. <laughs> Like I have, I have friends who really like it, and it's like I want to like it, but I've never owned a computer that can run it well enough for more than a couple months before <laughs> something happens to my computer. So Aww. yeah, ouch. Also, a friend of mine plays it and plays a char who mostly spends her time running around going fucking humans. Oh, you can't play char. Rad. Yeah, and you and can play as char. Yeah, you, you can play. play as, as, why else would I play this game? Yeah, you can play as char, <laughs> Norn. You can play as Asura. And Silvari, and there's apparently a human race as well. But Whatever like, the hell those nobody. things are. Norns. Norns and Char. <laughs> there are races that aren't Norns and Char. Make me a I, bear! I, I, I did actually play as a, as a flower boy once in it. That was nice. I probably would make one of the cute little things, because I do like to play boys occasionally as well. But mostly I want to play a giant tattooed bear woman and don't get in my way. The Guild, yeah, Guild Wars 2 <laughs> is... Um, it's definitely one of those MMOs I recommend for what it's doing. Like, it's upfront fee, you don't need to put money into the market to get stuff out of it, 
and broadly speaking, if your system can run it, it's a great looking game. It'll give you everything you want, and the absence of a monthly subscription means that you can take a break from it without feeling guilty. Yeah, and um, usually around the the holidays, it goes on sale for like fifty to sixty six percent off or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I so, got. Isn't there an expansion? Isn't there an expansion for it out now? Yeah, which I haven't looked at yet, but whatever. <laughs> that's that's the same exit point I took of Guild Wars One. It's like, oh, there's expansions. Bye. I'm not spending more on this because I was told I didn't have to spend more on this. Graceful transition. <laughs> Did you want to talk for a little bit about Yuri Jam? Yes. Uh, well, I mostly just wanted to say that Yuri Jam is happening. Woohoo! I only just found out about this, and it's slightly frustrating because I was just getting into a different visual novel project as a few too many gay boys in it to be appropriate for Yuri Jam. But, yeah, I I wish I had more to say about who's entering and, and what kind of stuff's being forwarded at the moment. There's a lot of team building going on on the forums. Um, people seem very eager to collaborate on this one. But, yeah, it's a two-month jam, I think. Open to any style of game, anything you want. Uh, where the rules are, it has to be primarily about relationships between women, or a relationship between women. And if there is a romance, it has to be queer. Uh, so, yeah, make make anything you want. Make puzzle games, make adventure games, make platformers, make porn games, make visual novels, make anything! Make all at once. Make things with ladies. I am doing an adaptation of Swan Lake with ladies. Lots of ladies. <laughs> this is mostly just because I wanted to draw pretty swan ladies. This is entirely what this is about. <laughs> I'm a very self-serving artist. <laughs> That's wonderful, though. But it's gonna be cool. That's a downloadable concept podcast. Until next time, that's been Fox. That's been Talon. And that's been Jeb. Listener, if you've listened to every single one of these podcasts, you've been listening to us talk for over 30 hours. What are you doing with your life? Shush, tell him we're talking about dicks. <laughs> <laughs>